Hello, and welcome back to Can We Talk? This series will be on trust and estate planning. Joining us today is our host, Carol Felsing, and our guest, Alex Douglas. Alex is a member of the Florida Bar, earning his Juris Doctor degree from Florida State University of Law, where he graduated with honors. Alex is a partner in the firm of Sheffield Lohman, where he focuses on probate, trust, and guardianship litigation. He is rated by Martindale Hubble as an AV attorney, the highest ranking, and is recognized by Thompson Reuters as a Florida legal elite attorney. Alex is an active member of the Orange County Bar's Estate, Trust, and Guardianship Committee, where he serves on the steering committee. Our topic today is litigation surrounding trusts and trustees. Now, here is Carol Felsing. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Carol. We've worked together over the years on many trust matters, and I just want to tell our audience that I have the utmost respect for your knowledge, the way you handle your clients and your skills in the courtroom, and I think they're going to really enjoy your words of wisdom. Well, well, thank you, Carol, and coming from you, that's quite a compliment mm-hmm. because I likewise appreciate all of your expertise and skills as an accountant and uh, as an expert in uh, uh, trust administration and accounting. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Your practice now focuses intensively on trust litigation matters, which is really a specialty niche for estate and trust attorneys. You've seen a wide spectrum now of estate and trust litigation. What are some of the key areas that you're currently seeing being litigated? Well, you know, um, as the baby boomers in the country are aging and dying, we are see- seeing a tremendous shift of wealth. Probably the largest transfer of wealth the world's ever seen is, is happening right now. And I always like to say, where you have a lot of wealth and the last parent dying, there's going to be a lot of dysfunctional families that are going to be fighting over that wealth. And, uh, you know, if you want to be honest with yourself, every family is dysfunctional. It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of degree. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we get these cases where somebody is doing somebody wrong it's usually a sibling against another sibling but it could it could often be a sibling against a step parent Uh, as we know a lot of folks uh, have second marriages and they have um, spouses have kids by the first marriage and oftentimes um, a a step parent um, who's left and children by the first marriage do not get along so that's a very common scenario Unfortunately, we have also seen a real spike in guardianships. Now, guardianships that I'm talking about are with elders, um, elderly parents who uh, have not done their advanced planning, have not done the power of attorney, have not done a health care surrogate, and they find themselves incapacitated. And a situation often occurs where you have the kids not agreeing as to what the health plan should be for mom or what uh, dad's assets should be invested in and uh, consequently you have to go to court and ask for a guardianship to be set up and then somebody has to be appointed guardian it's really it's it's really a sad situation because it could have all been avoided if someone just had done their their planning. I know I found when I'm doing a trustee work that if I could get the direct beneficiaries in a room without their spouses, without their children, to have all that background noise coming at them, we a lot of times can get to common ground a lot easier, but that doesn't always work. So in the litigation, it's not an expensive or easy process. Um, there's a lot of money involved. There's, they can take 
years to resolve. What do you see that looks like from a trustee perspective? Sure, Carol, um, and you're right. Litigation is not inexpensive. Um, there's a lot of not only financial um, uh, wealth that has to be spent on litigation, but emotional uh, expense is yeah. just as much um, important to talk about because litigation is really your last resort. Uh, now that's all I do is uh, the probate trust litigation, but I counsel clients to, uh, you know, to try to find out, have they actually tried to engage their sibling? Have they actually tried to call the, the trustee they're having a problem with? Um, a lot of times I'm finding that they haven't talked to these people in months, if not years. And, and a lot can be accomplished by just engaging in a conversation. Now, sometimes they want me to do that, and I'm happy to do that. And it's really worth uh, at least a letter or a phone call to see uh, if there is a path towards reconciliation or, or settlement. Uh, but if not... Uh, then, you know, you, you have a remedy by going to court. Um, but I always tell the clients, you know, it, it's not going to be inexpensive uh, and there's going to be an emotional toll uh, on, on you because you will have to uh, be ready to testify as well as other family members. Um, but by going to court, you are assured one thing, and that is you will get a resolution of your problem. Okay, yeah. it may not be the resolution you're looking for, but a court will decide the issue. And that is good from the standpoint that a lot of folks just don't want their problem to linger. They want a path towards resolution. Mm -hmm. And litigation is a path that will resolve the problem. And in most cases, this trust litigation resolves revolves around what the trustee did or didn't do. That's right. right. No, exactly, Carol. And, you know, there are some really good trustees out, out there. There, you know, the, and in my opinion, a lot of the best trustees, of course, are those like yourself that are, um, uh, have a, an accounting degree and some specialized knowledge. Uh, most of the times though, people will have another family member, um, to be a trustee, and there it's so important that that family member hire professional uh, advisors to help them navigate the treacherous waters that really can be ahead of you as a trustee. So while we're talking about trustee, what are the duties and responsibilities of a trustee? Well, there are quite a few, um, but there are six main responsibilities and duties of a trustee that uh, I think are worthy to, to go over and talk about. And the first one is the duty of good faith. So a trustee, no matter if that's a family member or a uh, bank or a professional um, uh, trustee has to have a duty, uh, has to follow a duty of good faith. And what basically what this means is that um, any decisions that are made, you have to make those decisions with the beneficiary's best interests at heart. You can't make a decision based upon what's going to put more money in your pocket or what might help, uh, uh, help a non-beneficiary, um, but what is in the best interest of the beneficiary. And, and going 
along with that are the duty of loyalty and the duty of impartiality. So if you're operating in good faith, that means you're loyal to the beneficiaries. Those are basically the persons that you are serving. A trustee is a fiduciary. That's why we call this area of law um, of trustees and personal representatives um, fiduciaries. Fiduciaries have the highest level of loyalty that the law provides for because their number one duty is towards the people they serve, the beneficiaries, uh, whether it's the beneficiaries of the trust or the beneficiaries of the estate. They also have, and this is the third duty, the duty of impartiality. That means if they're making a decision, if they have the discretion to distribute trust funds to the beneficiaries and say there's three beneficiaries, um, they have to be impartial as to how they decide which beneficiary to distribute money. If they have a personal beef with one of the siblings, for example, they can't discriminate against that sibling because they don't like them. They have to put those biases aside and say what is in the best interest of each of those beneficiaries. Now, if they do have complete discretion, it may perfectly be fine and reasonable to not distribute the corpus of the trust uh, perfectly equal. However, there must be some good faith rationale for why the distribution is made the way it is. Another duty, and this is a very important one, is the duty to keep accurate records. You have to keep clear and accurate records, and as you know, uh, Carol, this, this is a, a problem with a lot of uh, family members right. who, who are acting as trustee and who do not keep clear records. Why, are the record keep, why is the record keeping important? Because you're going to have to account to your beneficiaries, and that is another uh, duty, the duty to inform and account to the beneficiaries. The law provides that unless the trust document provides for more frequent accounting, you must account to the beneficiaries at least once a year. What is an accounting? It's a written document. It's a written document that shows what the assets are, what the expenses are, what the liabilities are. And it, there's a very specific way um, under Florida law by which that accounting should be, pre be prepared. And, and an accountant such as yourself would be the person that I would recommend uh, for trustees to, uh, uh, to use when doing an accounting so that they um, will fulfill their duty of accounting and keeping clear records without question. On the, let's speak about a little bit about that accounting just so they know. A lot of times I come across where a family member has said, well, I gave them the statements every month. And statements is really does not follow state statute on what an accounting is because the accounting. That's, ha that's right. No, that's exactly right, uh, Carol. And um, although although statements certainly is better, uh, giving statements is certainly better than giving nothing. Mm. Uh, it 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 doesn't completely uh, comply with uh, all the requirements because. Um, there could be other assets, right? Mm -hmm. um, if all you have is a bank statement, then maybe that would be sufficient. But oftentimes, uh, a bank account is only one of several assets. And you have to account for all the assets. You also have to show what trustee fees have been paid to you, uh, what other expenses have been paid um, for the administration of the trust. And so, um, 
you know, the, the safest thing to do, of course, is, is if you're not familiar uh, with accounting principles and the requirements under Florida statute is to engage a professional to help assist you on preparing an accounting. And the last duty that I want to talk about is the duty of prudent administration and using special skills that you have when, when, when that's appropriate. And when you don't have those special skills, you uh, hiring professionals to help you. So one of the most important things for a person who is not specialized in the area of trust administration and does not have, does not have any specialized training is to hire a lawyer. You really are setting yourself up for potential liability if you try to do a trust administration, whether it's for your family or for your neighbor or for whoever. It really doesn't matter. You need to consult with a lawyer and you need to hire professionals as appropriate. An example, if you have real estate, if you have rentals in the trust, um, um, in the trust corpus, uh, if you're not familiar with um, real estate and how to maintain real estate and uh, how to vet uh, potential renters, hire a management company. All right. right same, same, same thing um, with regard to um, management of, of a portfolio. If you're not a professional uh, financial advisor uh, and you have a million uh, or, uh, or two million dollars in the trust account, hire a professional fi uh, money manager, financial advisor, because the, the law requires you to act prudently. And a, pr a prudent uh, trustee who does not have those skills must engage agents and professionals to do that work that they are not qualified to do. And then lastly, of course, um, you know, the, uh, your, your professional uh, accountant would uh, be uh, the right person to use uh, for your yearly accounting uh, so that if there are any mistakes, uh, they can be found, spotted, and rectified uh, before a beneficiary uh, uh, finds out and says that you've reached your fiduciary duty. How does preparing an accounting protect the trustee? Well, it protects the trustee by disclosing the pertinent transactions that occurred in that time period, usually the last year, to put all the beneficiaries on notice that, hey, these, you know, these, these are the transactions that happened. These are the expenses that were paid. This is what the trustee paid himself or herself. And importantly, every trustee should send the accounting along with what's called a trust limitation notice. This is a statutorily uh, uh, permissible notice that says to the beneficiary, hey, you need to look at this because if you have any objection, you need to uh, bring those objections within six months of the date of this notice or you will be forever barred from claiming that the trustee breached their fiduciary duty. And I even know when I do them that I actually make the beneficiary, if possible, sign that and get it back. That, that would be great because um, you always want to document that they actually received it, so, so send it by certified mail. Or, you, you know, nowadays we, we're having problems with the post office getting those green cards back mm -hmm. to us, uh, Federal Express or some other uh, professional uh, delivery service that allows uh, tracking. Mm -hmm. And you talk about hiring professionals. 
Um, and there's a lot of attorneys, but what I think what the people also need to know is they need to hire an attorney that specializes in that area because just because you are an attorney doesn't mean you know trust in a state right. law, right? Right. Well, and, you know, I, I'm sure this is the same way in, in the accounting profession. I often use the analogy of, of, of the medical profession. Uh, law is very specialized now, just like in medicine. You have, you know, you, you wouldn't go to a ears, nose, and throat doctor if you had a heart problem, you go to a cardiologist. And so um, you, you want to see a, a lawyer that is skilled um, and has experience in um, fiduciary areas and, and trust administration, uh, probate, um, or uh, fiduciary litigation if you're in a situation, uh, unfortunately, that may require uh, going to court. Um, so, yes, uh, you know, having someone that uh, may be your a corporate attorney uh, is fine for corporate matters, but but not uh, necessarily for probate or trust matters. And I agree. And the same thing holds for uh, CPAs or t anyone serving as trustees. They really need to have the background in trust administration because not all accountants do that. And same thing goes for investment advisors. How you invest for a trust is very different than you would invest for either an individual. Uh, uh, Carol, that's a really good point. And consistent with your fiduciary duties as a trustee, if you have a current income beneficiary, mm -hmm. <clears throat> say like a parent, that's reliant upon income to live on, but then the remainder beneficiaries, those people who will get the money when that parent dies, um, want the investments to, to grow over time and, and they're less concerned about uh, income, then there is a balanced portfolio that you must abide by under the uh, Principal and Income Act uh, in order to not breach your fiduciary duties to the beneficiaries. So yes, I totally agree. You, you need to have someone who, a uh, financial advisor, is familiar with the fiduciary duties that you have to fulfill as trustee. Alex, I can't believe we're out of time for today. We look forward to having you back to continue this series on litigation for trust and trustees. Well, thank you, Carol. I really enjoyed it. Join us on the next episode where Carol and Alex will continue their conversation on trust litigation. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Carol at Felsing LLC, phone 407-412-9299 or felsingcpa.com.